to all our listeners thanks for joining us on this journey hope you like the story so far if so do share it with your loved ones do tell us if there's something we can improve upon your suggestions are always welcome reach out to us at chronicles of kaito on instagram the handle is in the description below till then we have a story to finish episode 10 the end is nigh dear kaito sorry for leaving the story on a cliffhanger but battling monsters and recording bedtime stories can be quite daunting now that we are here let's dig in shall we after our encounter with the dog with an angry cat soul and his bow tie wielding nature bending army we silently sat in the hallway waiting for the rains to slow down now surrounded by a sea of cats and dogs while the sparrows sat around the broken ceilings as the rain water poured down like the inside of a waterfall the shepherd and your mum were completely drained from the duel how have you been teresa nero asked the cat breaking the silence in the room and the suspense in my head as you can see things are barely under control she replied still running her paws over boy's back calling a fully grown dog boy seems a little odd i'll stick to calling him the shepherd and how caesar she asked trying to catch up on their long due reunion casually dismissing the fact that they were two humans in dire need of attention or that there was a 30 foot ghostly tiger occupying the german shepherd's body just a few minutes back well you know him he's busy with the oasis he replied he was always the one to lead a kingdom she smiled back the dog started shivering are you okay the cat asked him as he trembled in resentment and self-inflicted anger i failed you all he said it's okay you're here and that's more important she replied back i knew this wasn't his first episode nor was it her first time coming him down the other animals slowly walked towards them the rain had trickled down to a drizzle by now they gathered around him like kids at a campsite on story night i'm sorry kids i let you down i let the rage get to you but the truth is i am broken i cannot be the one to lead you but i'll always be there to guide you teresa he said turning towards her you've been taking care of them despite my outbursts you are the leader they need he said looking into her eyes now is not the time she replied back there never will be one this is as better as any he responded back she didn't say a word she stood there as silence took over the gloomy sky you left kai at our home all those years back didn't you your mom asked her she nodded no nero did kai is that what you named him it's a sweet name i knew he'd be in a nice home the little prince i couldn't risk him growing amongst the rage and like you can see power once corrupted is a long battle back the four of us had the same intentions to save the world but boy got lost in the way caesar wouldn't stand by this and i couldn't leave him alone she said looking at the shepherd and i knew kai wouldn't be safe here either for he possessed the last and the strongest element caesar and the humans created she said what humans i asked looking at nero uh the human colony at the oasis where we stopped by for some water replied the shifty-eyed fire breather what 
Why didn't you tell us that before? I asked. I don't know. You asked me to take you to your bow tie, not the origin of bow ties. He replied, avoiding eye contact. Well, this is a lot of information to get under six minutes. I thought as I grabbed the pillar. In a world of a billion people, what are the odds he'd pick us? Your mom said, smiling at Nero with gratitude. Hearing her, my brain spinning a million cycles per second came to a screeching halt. I told you. If something were to happen to the little prince, they'll come through your doors," Nero said to Teresa. "Do you know where the boat I is?" your mom asked. She didn't care if it could conjure lightning or turn back time. All she knew was that it was yours and you needed it. "It's probably in the crate upstairs," Teresa responded. Before she could finish, your mother ran like a woman possessed. She stuck her leg into one end of the box and a crowbar into another and yanked it open. 42 nails and yet they couldn't match the strength of your mother and there it was exactly in the center of a neatly arranged set of plain spotted and checkered bow ties a single orange pinstripe bow tie your mom held it tight like it was you as she cried with joy we had battled all the odds and made it all the way across for this i walked to her and held her she pushed herself into my chest and like that we were whole again Teresa and the shepherd slowly walked up to us i must warn you that with each passing week his powers will weaken and one day he may be unable to wield the storm she said is that why the stripes faded away your mom responded wiping her tears humans normally cannot see the stripes but i suppose a mother can a gleefully surprised teresa replied but nothing would happen to him right Your mom asked, worried about your health more than anything else. Yes, he'll be fine, nodded the cat. And how long do we have? I asked her. Two moon cycles, she replied. That's about eight weeks from the day it was taken. Four weeks had already passed in this journey, and we knew that we had a long way back. But the night had a lot of unfinished stories to tell. All of us sat around and poured our hearts out, exchanging our stories. of past and present Caesar Nero Teresa and Boy were once like us musketeers in their own right By the time the orange blanket of the sunlight slowly cloaked the deep purple sea of stars we had lived through their lives and they ours and like that a new day had dawned on all of us Your mom and I spent the next few days helping them clear up the rubble and making sure the trees had a nicer home What about the humans? asked one of the kittens, helping your mom. We're a slightly dysfunctional crowd, but we'll get there, she replied as she ruffled the kitten's forehead. It would be an uphill battle, but we knew the strays were safe under Teresa. She would train them to use their powers for good, eventually making them the guardians of humanity and banishing the word strays from the human vocabulary. And before we knew it, It was time to head back. The picture of a dark fortress with a thousand red-eyed animals had been replaced by one of a thousand wide-eyed smiling ones. We headed to the airport hoping to enjoy some freshly stale airport coffee before getting back home to you. After a long and tedious wait, we passed through the security gates, grabbed our backpacks and started walking towards the nearest coffee shop. Suddenly, 
our paths were blocked by these two gigantic eagles who silently escorted us into a room a mile and a half away from our gates we silently sat in a room full of humans packed to the brim like sardines i looked around to find a single mother from ravendor with two children holding tickets heading further away from her home a couple on their way back to constance and an elderly person reading a newspaper holding a ticket to san sardine they all sat there helpless as if they had been through this all their lives and this was just another day surprisingly we were the first to be called into the foggy glass room as we sat there in the dark room dimly lit by a single light bulb a voice started to speak why is it that wherever you go chaos ensues you just happened to be at the ravenfall border when ravendor's expansions were halted do you even know how many years of effort that was i held your mother's hand tightly all while trying to put a face to the voice i had heard it before i just couldn't remember where the voice continued on the freshing headquarters at sansardine developed a conscience overnight plummeting their stocks for the sake of humanity they refused to report the real reason tanking the economy with them cowards it so happens that you happened to go through the town that very night you've been through the volatile city of constance and to top it all off there have been whispers of the first actual fire breather in centuries around the time you were at the gates of this very city the footage of which is conveniently unavailable your case is muddier than mud but do you know what perhaps your biggest mistake was you dared to take away my prisoners i closed my eyes to remember where i had heard this voice before then it struck me i opened my eyes to a pair of golden rimmed glasses under the tungsten bulb it was the mayor of motown you should have stayed down when i put you there he said angrily i knew you would eventually come for the dog that poor thing still believes he's part of some revolution kudos though i didn't think you would make it this far he continued but i'm afraid that's where your story ends i can't let you head back you see it's bad for business the humans i work for don't care how things get done as long as they are the ones wielding the power and i am but a simple businessman listen we didn't mean to ruin your grand scheme i replied you tend to seek me out like a magnet said the mayor wiping his glasses well we tend to stop the wrong doings you just happen to be involved in a lot of them your mother replied that's exactly why you being back is bad for business this is purely professional nothing personal behind me are 20 lines of security and all the airport hubs have been alerted i hope you enjoy your stay i heard repenting is nice this time of the year he said as he stepped off the chair and started walking away what about the people outside you've held them for no reason your mother asked that's an acceptable casualty a sunk cost if you will they are used to it plus there needs to be some sort of action someone has to take the fall the laws of human civilization do me a favor will you this time stay down i have a government to run i hope we never meet again he said 
as he slammed the door shut. For the next few hours, I ran to every officer at the airport, trying to find a way out of this mess. All I heard was that we were on the no-fly list until they received clearance. Your uncle Tori tried his best too, but we were, for all intent and purposes, truly grounded. We couldn't take the Victorian Sea back because an angry Ravendor had banished intercontinental travel. The clock had now started to tick. We headed back to the hotel and sat down to figure out another way. The ghost of greed is far worse than the ghost of rage. Rage corrupts the eyes, but greed corrupts the soul. The mayor and his bosses had been corrupted. The next morning, we headed to the fort to make sure the mayor hadn't put Teresa, the shepherd or the others in harm's way. Don't you worry about us. He has no powers here. The children will take care of us, Teresa said as boy stood looking outwards. He used us to further his plans. He never cared for the animals or humans, the shepherd mumbled. There may be one way for you to get back home, Nero added. How? They've blocked out all the ways to get there, I answered. All except one, the mountains. If you were to miraculously cross it and somehow make it to Sturgeon Bay, you have ships that travel to the Western Kingdom. Come what may, storm or war, these ships do not stop. They may be able to take you back home, he continued. I can't seem to find a way through the mountains, I said, looking at my phone. That's because there is none. It's a death valley. It's a thousand miles of rocks, ice and mountains, haunted by the cries of all who died in vain, protecting the line with no one's name. Boy replied as he shrugged the self-pity of himself. I can take you there. I've broken a thousand homes. I won't do it again, he said, looking at Teresa. The shepherd butted his forehead firmly against hers and whispered into her ears. Nero was right. Theirs was a relation beyond understanding. You should come with us, your mom asked Nero. Why? Because they're looking for one occasionally fire-breathing dragon in a population of thousands without being able to differentiate one from another? I'll be fine, don't you worry. Just get home safely, he said. After a two-day drive, Nero dropped us at the foot of the mountains. Bon voyage. Tell the little prince of two kingdoms. Uncle Nero said hi, he said with a smile before he drove back. I won't lie. I like the name. Kaito Himura, the prince of two kingdoms. Your mom and I looked at the endless snow-capped mountains, realizing how arduous the journey would be. We took a deep breath and followed the shepherd, who never once looked up to see what lied ahead. The next few days were hard to say the least. The three of us battled intense cold, thunderous rain as we made our way up to the mountains with nothing but a water bottle and a backpack full of hope. The air does get a little thin up in the relentless mountains, but your mother knew that this was our only way back. She wouldn't back down. She flipped the whole world upside down to get your bow tie. The sea of mountains was nothing more than a mere delay. We climbed every mountain warded off every predator till the night we reached the barbed wires. It's surprisingly quiet and serene for a border, I said as I flicked a perfectly shaped snow crystal off the wire. 
Out of nowhere, we were surrounded by a platoon of officers pointing their flashlights at us. "What are you doing here?" asked one of the voices. The shepherd bent his knee, bit into his collar, and pulled off a tag and slowly placed it on the floor. The officer up front picked it up, wiping the snow off of it. He looked the shepherd in the eye and requested the guards to stand down. It hit me then. Poi and the major were soldiers in this very battalion all those years back. That's why he knew every inch of the way. The army men guided us into their tents. We explained everything to them. You're either extremely brave or profoundly crazy to be doing this. He responded as he walked into the room next door. After a brief call, they drove us to the border where the officer exchanged words and salutations with the general from the other side. The officer signed our papers and opened the barriers as both officers walked in unison towards each other. There we stood on the line that belonged to no one, marked by pillars, scarred by bullets, surrounded by letters shaped as paper planes. As the two officers shook hands, signed our papers and walked us to the other side, pleased and confused by their gesture, I asked them, "Why did you open up the borders for us without asking us anything?" "You have all the right documents. We don't have a reason to stop you," said one officer. "You took the hard way up and you have a long way to go, and we are here to help," completed the other. I realized it was the first time they got to be in such close proximity without being forced into battle. Imagine having to look each other in the eye for years at large. The animosity dies, but duty calls. It's nice that duty also calls for something pleasant like this. One officer said, "Does it really matter which one?" As we crossed the border, I realized it was just the two of us. I turned back as the shepherd stood by the officer. "What happened, boy?" I asked, slowly walking towards him. "My journey ends here," he responded. "This is all I've known. My home is here. My redemption is here." The cries of the fallen brought me here," he said. I looked up to find the army men on either side, just as teary-eyed. The cries of the fallen soldiers haunted the ones who lived, but it was also what healed them and kept them together. Boy was haunted by the memories of the major all these years, making it easy for the rage to take over him. Is that, is that what you and Teresa talked about? Your mom asked. as she dropped her bag and hugged the two of us i apologize for everything i've done but i hope you get back home safe thank you for freeing me said the shepherd he and your mom rubbed foreheads as she ran her hands over his back one last time we stood up wiped our tears and walked to the other side with the weight of more than just the backpacks on our shoulders We walked for days past the floating forests, untouched by city dwellers, to get to the last bay on the east. The century-old trees would pierce through the clouds, bearing fruits unknown to humankind. We made it to Sturgeon Bay with less than a week left to spare. Call it the weeks of fruity diet or the tiredness from a mountainy terrain, we sat in the first shop we could find and ordered everything off the menu. After eating almost all our lost body mass in dumplings and egg tarts, we passed out within minutes of checking in. The next morning, we headed to the docks, surprisingly lined with fresh ink containers. 
they hadn't gone down despite shutting down their farms they honored their word and people rewarded them for it but sadly the ships weren't allowed to carry human passengers anymore i could think of a handful of reasons why after countless failed attempts we decided to clear our heads and grab something to feed the grumbling soul i ordered the city's famous sturgeon bay bowl made with bouncy noodles in an aromatic coconut broth filled to the brim with shrimps squids fish balls and surprisingly no sturgeon your mom had a bowl of the herbed thin stemmed broccoli reminiscent of the floating forest over a bed of the most fragrant rice topped with some deep fried zucchini blossoms as i scooped some of the silky orange broth in a ladle like spoon someone held my hand why can't anyone let me finish my meal in peace i thought slowly turning my head towards the body attached to the hand it was a rather older man probably in his late 80s with a shaved head and a pair of purple sunglasses you saved the oceans didn't you he said with an uncanny certainty and an iron grip holding the spoonful of soup hostage between my belly and the bowl you must have us confused with someone else we're just two people trying to find our way back to the western kingdom your mom responded yes yes back home to your cat i know the mackerels won't shut up about it he said as i tried to free my hands from his death grip wait what how do you possibly know any of this your mom asked him trying to phrase a hundred questions into one he freed my hands and pulled a chair from behind with his scrawny legs there are chatters in the sea from the waters of the far west of the two humans who rescued the sardines and saved the seas the mackerels like sparrows are a chirpy bunch but they too can chew your ears off before getting to the point he said yoshi imam and i said simultaneously looking at each other fishermen are not only the gatekeepers of the seas but can also talk to the ocean creatures just like your mother can talk to birds the alchemy of ecology yoshi loved to tell stories and with your uncle tori with him no secret of ours was safe you saved the oceans the least we could do is repay you by taking you back he said but how the ships can't i asked but the fishing boats can i can take you to the edge of the seven seas where my colleagues can take you to the western kingdom he said and like that we set course for home on a fishing boat leaving behind a neon lit city steering our way to the edge of the map how do we get back home from the shores i asked your mom we'll cross that bridge when we get there she said as we looked at the endless ocean ahead of us the sea sometimes can play cruel tricks on your mind days in you lose all perception of solid ground it all looks like one giant blue carpet stormy seas are even worse it's then you realize that all that stands between you and infinite nothingness is a plank of wood so i clung on to it for dear life as we sailed through the stormy night towards six boats in a circle on the choppy waters as we scooched between the boats each from a different kingdom the fishermen spoke this is where all kingdoms split the sea we can't cross these lines so we hang out here sipping wine enjoying tea sharing recipes but today we the captains of the seven seas have gathered here to get you home the third boat on the right will take you to the western kingdom thank you your mother said filled with gratitude don't mention it you brought back life into these oceans this is the least we could do he said trying to stay strong through his purple tinted glasses 
We tightened our backpacks as the crew of the seven ships threw ropes tied to the safety floats to each other, connecting them in a circle. The rain poured down on us from the thundering skies, but that didn't matter as we were three planks away from home, away from you. Here goes nothing, I said as we both made a run for it and jumped onto the first boat. The captain smiled at us as she steadied the ship before we could make a jump for the next. The winds got stronger and the water choppier, pushing the boats further apart. We ran even faster and jumped even longer the second time. We still barely made it with my one hand on the ledge and another on the rope. We climbed up and gathered our breaths. Everyone, including the fishermen, was following our every move. One more to go, I said as I looked over my shoulder into her eyes, steady as a rock amidst the alarmingly chaotic water and even heavier rains. There will be moments in your life that will play out over and over in your head in slow motion. This is probably one of those. One deep breath, five long strides and a step over the ledge. We pushed our bodies with all our might onto the last boat that would take us home. My one hand barely made it into the float while the rains pushed the boat further away from your mom. I tried to hold her hand to lift her up but my fingers barely grazed her sleeve and she fell into the ocean. A thousand things went through my head at once. The weight of the bag would pull her down, I thought, as I tried to loosen my bag to dive back in. But before I could, I was pulled up by the crew. With all the might left in me, I freed myself from their clutches, fighting back the tears, barely controlling my pounding heart, and ran to the ledge to dive back in. But right as I approached the ledge, my legs froze in shock and my eyes in disbelief. Your mother stood there, with one knee on the surface of the water as a spark of lightning lit the sea for a brief second. Astounded, all the boats turned their lights towards her. The king whale yelled one of the fishermen. She stood there on the back of the ocean-coloured whale as it slowly approached us. Battling my eye sweat, I quickly threw the float at her. She climbed up and I wrapped her with a warm blanket while the others kept staring at the whale. We haven't seen the king whale in 30 years, said the captain as we leaned onto the edge. Thank you, your mother said, looking at the whale. The whale blew hot air from its spout and dove back in. By the time we dried up, the winds had slowed down. The captains of the seven seas raised their glasses. To the seas, they all yelled. We looked at the fisherman three boats away, giving a slight nod of the head. He smiled and raised another toast. The next morning, we were back on our way to the kingdom. The captain was sweet enough to offer us some porridge to shake off the cold from the sea. We finished the porridge as the captain threw the leftover bait into the sea, signaling a dance-off between the dolphins and the hammerhead sharks a hundred miles off the shore. That's odd said the captain as she checked her equipment. What happened? I asked. All my meters are acting up. Jammers, she said as her eyes turned large, hearing the static on the radio. This is the Western Kingdom's naval fleet. 
We request you to turn off your engines and wait for further orders. The radio went on. Quick, hide here, the captain said, pointing to the trap door under the carpet. Now, we haven't done anything wrong. We'll face them, your mother replied. It's probably the mayor's plan. He must have made arrangements, I said. Let him, she said calmly before half a dozen naval ships escorted the tiny fishing boat to the shore. We spent the night at the naval base before being taken to the court of owls. I've told you that the owls are known for their immaculate bookkeeping. The court of owls was no different. It was an unbiased court that would preside over issues that were not solved otherwise. Over the last eight decades, only two humans managed to make it to the seven seats in the court of owls. The proceedings began. We managed to conjure a semi-decent lawyer, Tori, with mounds of files and paperwork on his table. But before he could push his chair and stand up to defend us, the oldest owl at the center of the judge's panel addressed the crowd. Case dismissed. We do not see any malice here. They have no reason being held and the prosecutor is asked not to indulge the court in their petty grudges. Any misuse of the law will not be tolerated. The mayor sat in front of the crowd in his well-tailored suit and golden rim glasses, angrily staring at us as the owls spoke in our favor. The only person visibly more disturbed by the verdict was your Uncle Tori. But I prepared a compelling argument that would have convinced even the staunchest critics. He exasperated. Too bad. I'll keep a lookout for your next case then. The owl responded with a straight face. The mayor, through all of this, didn't take his eyes off us. If I may intervene, your mom's voice echoed over the speakers. Thank you for everything, but I'd like to present something to the court, she said as the entire room's attention shifted to her. The head owl gave her the nod to proceed. You know the what and the how for us being here. You still don't know the why, she said, placing her phone on the table right next to the mic. She hit play, and there it was. The mayor, posting about his grand scheme in the dimly lit room at the airport of the peninsula, down to every last detail. A classic case of counting chickens before they hatch. The entire room now shifted their focus to the mayor, and the rest, as they say, is history. I'm going to spare you the details of what happened next, for his threats didn't warrant an answer. And that brings us to now me telling you the story and keeping my promise of finishing the story back home. Alright, say hi to all our listeners. We have to head down for lunch. Your mom's made pasta. And for the rest of you, thanks for tuning in. Chronicles of Kaito will return. Till the next time, spread the love, be kind, thank you and good night. Love, Kaito's Dada. You wanna play fetch afterwards? Ouch! What's with all the static in the walls? Wait, was that you?